Well, good morning. Thanks for being here. I hope everybody's thriving. We, um, we traveled here safe. We worshiped. We surrendered. We tithed. And now we're digging in the Word. So thank you for being here this morning. Um, Scott is in Tennessee. He's traveling back from performing a wedding. Uh, so he got to marry a wonderful couple this weekend. And uh, he hit me up about nine weeks ago. Uh, to see if I could speak this Sunday, and that was a record for Scott. Usually it's two weeks, maybe at most, and uh, it involves a lunch and a, hey, by the way, can you speak? Um, but we love him, so he's, he's, he's a planner. He's doing great nine weeks out, um, so I have an incredible opportunity to speak today and super humbled and uh, just a privilege to be up here, so Looking forward to this journey that we're going to walk through today. I was a little zealous with the amount of scripture that I put on your worksheets there, um, but we're going to do our best to roll through it and uh, make it out of here for dinner time. Um, but what we've been talking about is spiritual growth, and Scott has been talking about how we measure our spiritual growth in our relationship with God. And uh, last week, he talked about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, um, to not lean on our own understanding, but in our ways acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. And uh, I'm jumping in here this week with the spiritual growth. This, he didn't ask me to speak on this, something that's been on my heart since previous to nine weeks, and it's really neat how the Lord works, that when, when you get an opportunity to, to speak, God was already stirring in my heart just this message, and I didn't know where it was going to be used or when it would be used or if Scott would ever ask me to do this again, um, but this was working in my heart for a long time, so I'm looking forward to, to walking through it with you, um, but today's lesson is called Take the Risk. Is there any adrenaline junkies in here? Any hands? Yes. Fingers pointing. Um, anybody ever been skydiving? Anybody jumped out of a perfectly good airplane? Is there any hand? Yes. Really? All right, next Thrive event, we're going skydiving. <laughs> wow. I really thought I'd see more hands than that. Um, so I have had the privilege of going skydiving before. And I will set you up, since so many of you have not been before, that uh, life after skydiving is very boring for a while. Uh, because you put your brain through a very mental test that you get on an airplane you get in the air, and then the door opens on the airplane. That's not what's supposed to happen. When you get on an airplane, is the door open while you're midair. And so you're sitting in your seat, door opens, it's windy, it's cold. When you're tandem diving, you're strapped to a guy. You just got a man on your back that's super crazy in some van skater shoes. Like, Don't worry, man, this is my thousandth jump. <laughs> and you're like, woo And you go, and it's crazy, and you're falling through clouds and doing things that humanly you shouldn't be able to do and so I would like to consider myself an adrenaline junkie and just feed off of 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 risk of of taking chances um, of going fast um, I've always just loved racing um, I grew up with it in Colorado my dad would take me to Colorado National Speedway and we watch racing by the way who thinks they traveled the furthest to get to church this morning my parents, Brent and Cindy Todd, are sitting down here, and they just drove from Colorado and pulled in 
to Concord uh, 10 minutes before service started. So, Brent and Cindy, round of applause. That is parent dedication. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Love you so much. Thanks for making the effort. Put in 13 hours yesterday. I told them they record this most of the time. So they could hear it on a recording, but they wanted to be here in person. Um, And so I grew up in racing. I moved from Colorado to North Carolina to build race cars and go fast. Go fast and turn left. Woo! And uh, when I moved out here, I got involved with pit crew and changing tires. And um, I was running in front of a moving car that was coming at me at 45 miles an hour. uh, And then swinging around and changing the tires in 15 seconds. And I just, I loved it. And I stand, I'd stand up on that wall before that race car would come, and I'd have to find this place of zen. Like, don't trip. You know, don't get hit. Hit all your lug nuts. Do, do the whole process. It's a crazy process to go through. I actually was going to set up a whole prop today of a, of a pit stop uh, set up, and I was going to bring my air gun and make lots of noise and have this cool thing. But another teaching moment happened this week where I was actually in Colorado, and went snowboarding um, with Dad and my brother and Chris White Knight. And um, I, I got a 35-year-old lesson that I can't do <laughs> what I used to do when I was 20 and, and bounce off the snow and get back up. And, and I did these series of jumps that I wasn't prepared for. And uh, I didn't clear the last jump. And I landed on the top. And I bruised my heel bone. Never bruised a bone before. That was interesting but bruised my heel bone and smashed all the ligaments around my ankle ball and everything. And, uh, and so I wasn't sure if I was, I got my backup chair up here, but I was in the urgent care for three and a half hours and getting x-rays, trying to figure out if my foot was broke. And then a miracle happened last night. No joke. Wife, I didn't get to tell you about it yet. Um, I was legitimately laying on the floor of our bedroom and I was praying through today's lesson and my foot just went, just popped, just I'm laying on the ground. I'm not standing on it. I said, what? And I got up, and I was like, okay. And then I got up this morning, and I was walking. This week, I have been trying to use crutches and getting uh, rations for not using crutches. Um, but, I mean, yesterday, I was walking like this. And, and last night, my foot popped. So it's awesome. It's still tender. I, I'm still believing, but I got my backup chair there. Uh, so, taking risks, um, and maybe this message won't, won't land as big as I thought it would because I thought more hands would go up for adrenaline junkies, but maybe today's the day that you guys get excited about taking risks. And so, we need to take the risk in our spiritual journey to share the gospel with the people around us, with our family, with our coworkers, with this known world we are called and commanded by God's word to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ and what he did. And, and I look at that, that it is, it is a risk to speak up. It is a bold move to, to speak God's word in today's society. And um, it's getting a little bit rained down upon and, and the community we live in is, uh, is pushing back a little bit in the Bible and the good news of Jesus Christ, but even more so, we need to step up and take the risk and share the gospel. Uh, And so as I relay these crazy risks of jumping out of an airplane or running in front of a race car, 
and that place of zen I'd have to get into before I jump off that wall and do a pit stop uh, is the same place if you've ever just cold grabbed a stranger walking on the side of the road or in a restaurant or at school and sat down with them, somebody you've never met before in your life or sitting next to them on an airplane and, and begin to have a conversation about eternity and about what God has done for them through Jesus Christ, that is like the biggest adrenaline rush ever. That same butterfly feeling, I don't really know how this is going to go. I've practiced, I've trained, um, but here we go. I'm trusting God in this. In the same risk of, of running in front of a race car or, or stumbling over our tongue or putting our foot in our mouth when we try to share the truth of God's word, is it's an, it's an adrenaline rush, and I get pumped up about doing it. And so I hope that you do too. So the foundation of this message is Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15, if you want to turn there. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. And it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. And there's something we have here as followers of Christ as, as holding the word of God is that we have the greatest news any person can ever hear or have. And, and a lot of times I draw a comparison of what if you had the cure for cancer? What if you've been sitting in a lab for the last 12 years and you finally mixed up the right, the right mix, the right combination that can defeat all cancers once and for all. I know every single person in this room has either known somebody who's battled cancer, won it, lost it, or is in it right now. Like cancer is a nasty, ugly thing that we deal with in this fallen world. And what if we had the cure for cancer? What would we do with it? Would we keep it to ourselves? Just keep it in our back pocket in case that day that we might have cancer we'll know how to get out of it? Or would we share it with the world? Would we get it on Fox News and CNN and, and spread the word and try to get every hospital to get this cure so that nobody has to battle cancer anymore? In the same thing, we have the good news of Jesus Christ that is even greater than the cure for cancer because it's eternal salvation in heaven with our Creator worshiping. And so that's the weight of what we carry and that's our responsibility to not keep that to ourselves. And so from this point... I want to say a little side note. We're going to blast through a lot of scripture here. Verse here, verse there, verse here, verse there, and roll through it. And uh, it's typically the pattern here at Thrive, the way we do that. And I just want to encourage you, the reason why we put it on paper and the reason why it's only two verses and not 30 verses is because it's our responsibility as the congregation, you as, as the listener, to take these two or three verses take them home and, and pull them apart this week to um, dive in what, what was going on four verses before that and four verses after that to get the context. And so we're tracking and jumping all over God's word this morning, but I just want to encourage you, any of these verses, to, to take home this week 
and expand upon it. Maybe you've never read all of Romans uh, chapter 10, or maybe you've never read Romans period, but we write these verses down and we hit quick little nuggets out of Scripture to affirm Scripture with Scripture. And so I just want to encourage you, take these verses with you this week, pull them apart, spend time with them. Don't let this time of us together be the only time you're in these verses and in this part of the Bible. And so dig in. So I want to pray, and then we'll keep rolling. God, we just praise you and thank you for this beautiful spring morning. God, thank you much for safety and everyone getting here, and uh, even all the way from Colorado, Lord, we thank you for it. And uh, Lord, we thank you for healing. God, whether it's in my foot or spiritual healing, emotional healing today that may take place uh, through worship and through your word, Lord, we just, uh, we look forward to that and we thank you for providing it. And I pray over this next few minutes, Lord, you just teach us great and amazing and new things from your word uh, that we've never seen before and that uh, we all can leave here closer to you and a little bit more spiritual mature. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So you got your little bulletin there, and it says, Why take the risk? Why take this risk? Uh, there's a ministry out there called Dare to Share Ministries, and they set up uh, youth ministry retreats and uh, formats, and they teach youth pastors and equip youth pastors how to teach your youth group how to share the gospel. They have a really cool foundation that's called Deep and Wide Youth Ministries. And when I was a youth pastor, uh, some of you haven't been here that long, but I was a middle school and high school youth pastor here for four years. And before that, I was at another church for seven years. Um, And I just love youth ministry, and I love talking about sharing the good news of Christ. And so this idea of deep and wide, we're supposed to go deep in our spiritual growth and wide in evangelism. And it's a two-part deal, that we don't just go deep, absorb all this information, absorb all this good stuff about God and His goodness and the Bible, and then keep it to ourselves and don't use it. Um, There's a a balance of going wide in evangelism. And so we're going to look at these two verses out of Matthew, of Jesus talking. Let's look at Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. It says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So this verse is just about spiritual growth is a constant pursuit. We don't just arrive at spiritually mature. We don't ever just get there. Uh, It's a constant journey that we're always on walking through this world and in relationship with God. And so here's Jesus. He was challenged by some Pharisees. They were trying to trap him in this this moment, trying to get him to speak a falsehood so that they could blame him for something and take him in to court. Um, But if you've spent much time reading about Jesus, uh, he was pretty good with his words, and uh, he nailed it on the head here of how to explain what is the most important commandment. So, so our relationship is deep. And then we move forward to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. This is where we go wide. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look, we are commanded by Jesus, one of the last things he said before he ascended into heaven, that we are commanded to go and share this good news. It wasn't optional. Jesus didn't lay it up there. You know, if your A and B plan doesn't work, your C plan can be, you can go share the gospel. You know, tell somebody about it. But it was a command, like Christ just defeated death, spoke to his disciples this message, now go. So we are to go wide in sharing the gospel. We are to take that into our communities and our circles that we're involved in and share the good news. And then equally here, Acts 1.8 was one of the last recorded things Jesus said before ascending into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So right before Jesus peaced out, went to heaven, he didn't say, be sure to tip your waitresses, drive home safe, see ya, I'm out. The last thing Jesus said was, go, share this information, share this news, go out as far as you can reach Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to share with the world what Christ has done. So he's saying, get to work, spread the news. Not, that was a fun ride, I'm out of here. Um, And so that was Jesus' message right before he went up into heaven. So then we roll on to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Short and sweet verse here. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And each and every person in this room has a different gift. And each and every person in this room has the ability to reach one person, two people, five people, a hundred people that nobody else in this room can reach. And I think of Ron, I'm calling you out, Ron Dudonis. He's got a group of of men and he's got a group of people that if I walked in the room and, and tried to share the gospel with, I wouldn't stand a chance. But the relationship he has with those people and the foundation he has with those people, he has the ability to reach them. He has that strength. We are part of the same body, but he has the ability to reach those people. So I do, I want you to think about who's in your circle. Like there is purpose, believe it or not. There is purpose in every person we cross paths with in a day. That person you sit next to at work, in the cubicle, uh, that person who's... uh, waiting on your table at a restaurant, uh, checking out your groceries, the children that have lived in your house the last seven years, like you have the opportunity every day to share the gospel with them. And that is, that is God's purpose and plan and hope that we get to be a part of what he's doing. Like this is an opportunity that God says, hey, come join me. Does he need us to accomplish his goals? Probably not. Does he invite us to be a part of it? Absolutely he does. And so that's what he's calling us to do. So us as the body of Christ, we all have responsibility to, to just 
slow down, think about the people we cross paths with every day, uh, and, and that we might be the only ones that, that, that can really get to that person, to share the gospel, to have the opportunity to share it. So it's pretty neat that we get to play a part in that. So here's a great question that keeps a lot of people from sharing the gospel is, well, how do I take the risk? Sure, I see the Bible says, do it. Well, how do I do it? And uh, this is a lot of fun. I got this 1 Kings 19 verse and a little bit of context here with Elijah. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. If you read 1 Kings 18, here's, here's one of your homework assignments. Go home this week. Read 1 Kings 18. Epic story. You just need to make a movie on this. God's already wrote it down on paper, and we do it, uh, and we see it. But Elijah is one of the only God-fearing, God-following people of his time. And there was 450 prophets of Baal, the false god Baal. And they were coming down against Elijah. The government of the time was saying, Elijah, no more talk of this one God world. And he said, all right, I'm going to challenge you. Let's go out here, prophets of Baal, grabs 450 guys and him, and rolls up a challenge between Baal and the one true God. And he, he says, all right, let's create an altar. Let's make a sacrifice. Let's take a bull, put it on the sacrifice. And prepare it, get the wood ready, and then call upon your God, Baal, to light this thing on fire. Just do it. And then I'll do the same thing with my God, and we'll see whose God is real. And so these prophets of Baal do it, and they're dancing, and they're chanting, and and trying to get this Baal that isn't real and doesn't exist uh, to light this on fire. And, and Elijah starts mocking him, and he says, I don't think he can hear you. Maybe you should yell louder. Maybe he's on vacation. Uh, one translation says, maybe he's using the restroom. Uh, and I think you should yell louder. So the, the prophets start cutting themselves and sacrificing themselves. Please light this on fire. And then Elijah, one man, rolls over and says, all right, my turn. Creates his altar, puts his sacrifice on, puts wood around it, and then... He raises the bar and says, let's build a moat around this and put water around it. And they fill it with water. And then he says, let's get water, put it on the sacrifice. Puts water on the sacrifice. And then says, do that three more times. There's no way humanly possible you could light this thing on fire. And then Elijah sits and he prays and he calls upon the Lord. And light from heaven comes down and ignites the sacrifice, the altar, it burns up the rocks, it burns up the water, it burns up the dirt, it says. And you should just imagine 450 dudes just standing there. Shucks. <laughs> like, that just happened. It's amazing. So read that story, and then here's what's confusing. Then you roll into the next chapter. Chapter 19, and the queen of the time is mad at him and says, Elijah just killed 450 of my guys. Uh, I told him not to talk about his God, and he's going against me, so I'm coming after him. And if he's alive by this time tomorrow, so help me bail. And, uh, and so Elijah gets scared. He just pulled off one of the most amazing miracles of all time. And then this queen lady, she must have been pretty fierce, 
because he was running for his life and he was scared and he ran and he hid in a cave. And then we come up on this passage where he just, he just wants to sit in a corner and die because he doesn't want this queen to kill him. And so then God shows up. And so the, the purpose of this story for me, if you were to write something down on your paper, one of the first places to start, how do I take the risk, is to cut the noise. We've got to cut the noise, the sounds, the distractions, um, the TV, the media, the Instagram, the Facebook, the, the radio, the constant noise, work, emails. If we want to hear from the Lord, we've got to shh, silence it. So check this out. I think this is neat. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 13. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So as God can speak when we can silence the noise, everything that's distracting us from God, we got to chill that out. And that is so hard in our society. It's so hard for me. I always feel like the best way for me to do that is I, I have to get out. I have to get out in the woods. I'm a wilderness kind of guy. Take me to a mountaintop. Let me see a view. Let me turn my phone off. I can't just go tuck away in the upstairs room of my house and, and, and just try to, you know, tune in God. I got to cut the noise very much so and all the distractions around. So first things first, cut the noise so we can hear what the Lord's telling us, so he can, we can hear who he's leading us to, who, what God wants us to say. That's the first step. And then the next verse, Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And one thing about this is is we've we've got to put our junk at the foot of of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. And he calls us, please lay down your burdens. You aren't meant to carry those things. That's what I'm here for. Put your burdens down. Feel how light my yoke is. And let's let's go. And this kind of in itself is a little a little rabbit trail here, but it's it's big and huge and important to my heart um, of something maybe that needs to be accomplished today in you or in your heart, but I know in the journey in life that I've been on, this is a big one for me, um, is how, how can you go put on a face or go share the gospel with somebody if you're clinging to 
these hurts or these problems or these things. Just let me shove it in my 150-pound backpack, put it on my shoulders, carry all my burdens around, and then go try to share the good news with somebody while you're falling backwards with this giant heavy backpack called your burdens. And, and one thing that's just really been on my heart these last few months, I don't know why, I was trying to figure out how it fits in this message, but I think it fits in right here, is, is I have met with and walked through a lot of things in life with believers where we don't have forgiveness and we're carrying around this massive burden of unforgiveness that we are not forgiving a situation. And that unforgiveness can be um, a spouse, an ex-spouse, parents that were there or were never there, um, a teacher, a boss, where somebody has hurt us and we just want to hang on to that thing and we want to hang on to hurt and just put it on our backs and carry it and not give it to the Lord. And let me just tell you the most freeing thing where you can just jump around and leap for joy and just breathe is to let whatever you're hanging on to that you're not forgiving, to let it go, to put it at the feet of Jesus. Because it is so hard to go share the gospel with somebody, but then hang on to this thing over here. And it's mine. I'm so mad. I can't believe they ever did that to me. Uh, in my life, I had a, a, quite a journey of, of forgiveness. And, and many of you guys know my story, but when I was 16 years old, my mom committed suicide and took her life. And, and a journey of forgiveness had to start there. I had to forgive my mom for doing that and being selfish in my mind. Uh, I had to forgive, which is crazy. Some of us battle with this, but we have to forgive God like he's somebody that needs to be forgiven. But in our minds, we'll go to a place to blame God. God, why would you let that happen? Who are you, God of love, that would take this circumstance and do that? And, and sometimes we even have to forgive ourselves. Even through that journey of mourning, I had to forgive myself. Well, Brandon, why weren't you home that day? Or why didn't you help more? And I had to forgive myself. And so as you process through forgiveness, there's some big hurdles in our life where we just bury it down and we hang on to our hurts. And I just want to encourage you today, just let it go. Just put it at the feet of Christ. And, and that last song, I Surrender, is just doing that. Just giving it up, let it go. You are a servant of God. You don't need to hang on to those hurts and those pains. Those aren't yours. Christ has already paid the price. He's forgiven you so many times more than you're lacking that forgiveness towards that one person or situation. So, important rabbit trail. How do we take the risk? We put on Jesus' yoke that is light. And to put on his yoke, we have to put down our heavy baggage and our heavy burdens. Can I get an amen? You with me? Preach it. A little automotive mechanic up here. Bringing the word. Next verse. Big one. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How do we worship him? We take risks. We risk it all. 
is what it's saying. Uh, the little analogy I always love doing with this passage is uh, when you're talking about tithing and you're, you're giving 10% and the, and the plates are being passed for offering, is this passage tells me you 100% get in that offering plate. Excuse me, Mr. Usher, while I get into your offering plate, please carry me to the back because I'm all in. Like that's what this passage is saying. Not just 10%, not just financial. This is all the way. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. So then it goes on. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Another passage says, another translation says, renewing of your mind. And I just love that idea. And every day, we are renewing our minds with something. We're renewing it positively or negatively. We're renewing it by what movie we're going to see, what news articles we're reading, what newspapers show up at our house, uh, what we listen to on the radio. We are renewing our minds every day. It's just what content are we renewing it with. And so the challenge here is renew your mind with the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel and what we've been given as the word of God. And then it ends up here, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Just keep rolling to the next passage. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, every time I have tried... Sorry, that's my note there. In that, he will rebuke you for asking. And so, the idea here, I threw that in, is I went to Bible college, big on evangelism, apologetics. Some of the projects we had to do for school is to go to UNC Charlotte and just grab a random dude and, and start a gospel conversation. Like, that's, that's wild. That's kind of crazy. I don't know if you've ever done that before. But just walking on the streets, I'm an evangelist today. And, and you're scanning the campus and people are walking and you're like, is it that one? Is it that one? Is it that one? You know, and you're trying to figure out how to do this. And okay, I've got all my notes and I'm ready to answer the problem of evil. And if it's a Jehovah's Witness, I know how to handle it this way. And, and, you, and you do it all and you prep yourself. And it's crazy to do that. And so if you try to do that on your own, I'll just, I'll just, my experience. If Brandon thinks he's going to change somebody because Brandon's got the answers, he's ready to respond, it never went well. <laughs> I'd put my foot in my mouth and, uh, and just fail. Like we don't, we don't change the people. When we go share the gospel, when we share the good news with people, it's, it's not Brandon changing individual. God does the work. All he's doing is asking us to, to say it. Will you be a vessel? Will you speak audibly to this person that I pick out for you today? And so this verse, stop and pray and ask God for wisdom. Anytime I've ever done that, evangelizing, it's gone pretty well. 
God, God handles it. He, he brings the words to speak. And one time I took a youth group uh, to a Dare to Share conference in Washington, D.C. And we, in our free time, good youth pastor Brandon, uh, did we go go-karting? Did we, did we go see some sights? No. We went to a pretty ghetto mall. And right after the conference, we go into the mall to share the gospel with complete strangers from a land we've never been to. And it was awesome, but that's one of the times in my life where I just remember praying, giving it to God, no idea how it's going to go. I go sit down uh, next to this Indian man uh, who is into Hinduism, and uh, I just start the conversation. What do you think about the afterlife? What happens here? Okay, solid, deep Hindu. And, uh, and it was a great conversation. He had three kids, and a wife was over in another shop, and we probably spent 15 minutes or so talking, and, and, you know, he didn't convert. He didn't accept Christ in that place, but a lot of the things he had against Christianity, I was able to clear up for him, and God was able to plant a seed and, and give him the opportunity to maybe see truth for the first time, and, uh, and that happened because God did it, not because Brandon prepped himself with all of his notes and his study to go try to change somebody. So how do you do it? How do you take the risk? Ask God for wisdom because you need it. That's James 1 verse 5. This is a great one. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 to 17. Instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope, as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. This is always my, my back pocket passage. Um, Always be ready to explain it, so you want to be prepared. Um, you don't go to work without your, your tools. I was, thinking, I was thinking of Hugh in this example of, of he wouldn't go to work who climbs on houses, climbs way up super steep walls. He wouldn't show up to a project without ladders. Because um, you imagine him pulling up and free climbing the side of a gutter. Don't worry, I got this. 18 feet up. I forgot my ladder today. In the same way of, of he's prepared for his job. He's prepared for work. Same way we need to be prepared for whoever we might come across in our daily walk is a big one. But then it follows with, one translation says, but do this out of gentleness and respect. And I always have this back pocket. I don't know if you've ever experienced a bullhorn guy who's got the bullhorn out and is condemning people and yelling. We used to have one across from Concord Mills uh, for a long time and used to go out to the racetrack during the races and these guys would have this big cross taped to their back and they got a little speaker on their hip and they're condemning that girl for wearing Daisy Dukes and that guy for looking at it. And I'm like, <laughs> what did you just do, you know? And, and so I go with them and have the conversation. Hey, what do you think about this when it says gentleness and respect is that a does does that fit in with 
you're going to hell. You're burning. You're burning for all these choices I'm putting on you. And uh, there was, I can't remember the guy's name, but he used to hang out at the water fountain at UNC Charlotte. Pastor Gary, yes. And we'd go have conversations with him, and that guy was a closed book. He had his mission from the Lord to condemn all college students. And I just, that was my verse. Like, would you just, would you just read this? Is, this? is this gentleness? Is this respect? So we don't go in and just slap people over the head with the Bible. And we don't slap them over the head. You're going to hell. Uh, this is, here's how you do it. Do it out of gentleness and respect. Love the person where, you're, where they're at. Uh, and be prepared in any way you can. So this is my favorite part of the message. Have I said that yet? I got multiple favorite parts. What, what is at risk? So we're talking about this risk. What are, what are we risking? What is at risk? In some cases, there's some really big things. There's some relationships. Um, you think about who you have to share the gospel with. It could be, could be your mom or dad. It could be your in-laws. It could be a sibling for years. You spent your whole life with them. They've seen you at your worst. They've seen you at your best. But what they have against you is they've seen you at your worst. So when you're bringing this message of Christ, how do you do it? And, uh, and sometimes we can, we can hurt relationships. Sometimes we can burn a bridge. And we, we fear bringing up the gospel because of what that might do to a relationship. Um, but let's just walk through this. This is fun. This is good stuff. Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Again, this is Jesus speaking. And this is the section of the Gospels called the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you? And curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. I need an example. John Johns, can you come up here real quick? Simple visual thing. I do this, but my foot is broken from being 35 and trying to be cool. You got a heel clicker in you? I can try. How's your ankles? Probably worse than yours. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you did a little, little. Yes, that's leaping for joy. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. Oh. We used to have competitions. How many heel clickers you could do Standing flat, standing on a curb, standing five feet up. I don't know what we got up to, maybe four, five. But if you didn't, if you didn't get that last one in, you were face on the ground. It was awesome. But that's just that's all I visualized. Johnny, you were in my message. That looking at this, when people mock you, curse you, call you evil because you follow the Son of Man, be happy, leap for joy, do a heel clicker. Like, this is awesome. I am getting mocked because of the creator of the universe. I am choosing to follow him. 
and his plan. Keep rolling, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. There's a lot of things in there, but that that last part just jumped out to me. Again, about today's society, about conversations that I have with people about sharing the gospel. Is some people are like, well, I just don't want to label myself a Christian. I don't want to be attached to those things and those crazy things you see on the news and those crazy pastors. I'm, I'm not connecting myself to that. But this statement here just jumped out of the pages from me. But it is no shame for being a Christian. But let's, let's take pride in the term Christian is to be Christ-like. We are to follow Christ and his example. We get the opportunity to be like Christ. But I don't know if you see where I'm going with this. There's, when, you, when you share the gospel... It's always, it's always a win. It's a win-win-win. It's a win if they accept Christ. They get on their knees right there and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What an epic win that you get to be a part of that moment. Uh, it's a win if it's a good conversation like the gentleman in the mall in Washington, D.C. where you plant a seed and you give them the opportunity to see the gospel for the first time. And it's a win if you totally burn that bridge and that person disowns you and mocks you and runs your name through the dirt because you shared Jesus with them. It's a win. Like that's the point of these passages and why we're reading them today is, is Jesus himself is saying it. Peter's saying it. You'll see it all over scripture with the Apostle Paul. That Hey, when you get beat down for sharing my good news, it's a win. So look at it here. This is Jesus speaking again. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19 to 21. Do not store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And there's just passages all over that are promising us when we get to heaven, there, there's a reward for stepping up to the plate, for sharing the gospel. And, and I think what I get the most excited about is that time where I enter into heaven and, and you know, we experience God in front of us is just, I can only imagine. Mercy me, plug. I can only imagine what that's going to be like. But... Um, to have, I just, I just have this vision of that, that person coming and running, like Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. That time you shared the good news with me, I'm here, I'm here, I made it. Like, can you imagine that party? Oh my gosh, that's big. I'm tearing up. I just, I just pray that for so many people, and uh, 
A simple format I try to stick to is, is I have a top 10 list, top 10 people in my life that don't know Christ, that I pray for every day, try to create opportunities to hang out with them, to try to be the light, to try to give good examples of the gospel. And those 10 people, I just, I just pray and I pray and I pray and I pray that opportunity in heaven when that day comes. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing greater than that. Jumping out of an airplane can't even hold a stick to that. It's amazing. So that's what we're doing here. I just have a little note at the end of that. It's a little bold. I think I wrote it at midnight last night, but it just says, tithing and attending church doesn't cut it. You need to commit. We need to take risks. We need to share the gospel. We can't just play church on Sunday and and not tell the world on Monday. Next verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's at the end of his life here. He says, As for me, my life has been already poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And I just put a question on the end of that. Do you feel like you're fighting the good fight? Do you feel like you're running the race as hard as you can? And a little racing terminology came in my mind with this verse. Is Racing has changed a little bit here recently. But there used to be a pack of cars that we called start and park cars. All NASCAR guys know what start and park is. Um, But it's race cars that that just built enough of a car to make just enough speed to get in the race, to qualify. And then one lap in, five laps in, 20 laps in, they go in the garage, they park it, and to finish 39th, they make a paycheck and they call it good. You know, and and I look at that imagery of racing and sometimes that's all the opportunity those guys have. But in, in the context of, when I see the word race, that's just what comes up. Stock cars, race, going fast. But when I see that, the context of that is, are we, are we just starting parking in our, in our faith, in our journey with God? Are we, just, are we just barely in the race? Are we running 25th or are we trying, are we trying for the trophy? And that's what Paul's explanation here is I'm I am foot to the floor I have burnt the tires off of this thing and I am I'm trying to finish first place here I'm trying to finish strong and so this second Timothy 4 6 through 8 I just I put the question next to it am I running the race hard am I getting after it all right last part He has equipped us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. Turn there real quick. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
and ratified, ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All the glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Just such a great benediction, such a send-off, and just a reminder that we have the, the cure for cancer. We have the greater cure for cancer, and that here is what we have. And then we're jumping Old Testament here to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So you can tell a tree by its fruit. You can tell a what a person believes by the way they live. And our actions speak louder than our words. So even if we tag the name Christian on our shirt and that our coworkers and our family know we are Christians, what are our actions showing them? What kind of fruit are we bearing? And, and we're saying here that God has equipped us with his truth. He has given us his law. And we have his, his will, his plan, his direction. We, we already know how it ends. Like, God gave us his word here. We already know God wins and that we can be with him in that. Um, and so this Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 is just that challenge of, of if we're anchored in, if we're rooted in God's word and his law and his, his purpose and his truth, bring it back to, to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know, that we're renewing our minds with the truth of God's word. Our lives are going to show it, and we're going to have fruit. So last verse here, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And again, the idea of, of not going to work without your equipment. Don't go to work without your ladder. If I go to work without my toolbox or my laptop, I can't, I can't fix a car without it. And, and in the same way, don't go into this world without God's word. And it is amazing that the creator of the universe chose to communicate to us through putting it on paper and that we have his word and that we get it in our hands and that, that we have the game plan. We have the operation manual and we can apply it to our lives. So he didn't just leave us here trying to figure it out by looking at the mountains or looking at the clouds or figuring out the solar system. He put it on paper so that we can get it and that we can apply it. So real quick, I want to do an action plan. We got the ushers out there. We got a little activity. Stems off my youth pastor days. I can't do a lesson without giving 
out a piece of paper and an activity. Um, these guys, if you need a pen, let them know if you need a pen, but they're going to hand out a piece of paper. And we're just going to do a little action plan here, a little challenge. And that this paper that's coming around is a, is a commitment card. And it says, take the risk. And at the top of it, I want you to put your name in the top. And it's got a list of things to do. It says, between March 24th, that's today, right? Starting today, between March 24th and March 31st, I will bring up a conversation about Jesus within my circle. This idea of whatever your circle of influence is, if, you, if you're in high school or in college and you've got the same table, the same group of people you sit with every week, maybe it's in, in work, same people at the lunchroom, or you ride this, you carpool together, um, God's going to put on your heart what that looks like. He's going to give you an image. What does it mean to bring up a conversation about Jesus within my circle? If that's something you can do, think you can do this week, I'd like you to sign it and date it. And then the ACT initial, that's accountability. I don't know why I did ACT, account. ACT initial is somebody next to you, a friend, a spouse, uh, maybe a stranger right in front of you that you sit next to every single week, have them initial it. And then we're going to have Mike notarize all of them. <laughs> so it's official. Got it, Mike? He brought the stamp today. Just kidding. But just this idea, one more step. A lot of times we'll, we'll talk to ourselves. We'll, we'll puff ourselves up. I'll just talk about myself in church. I'll get a good lesson I'll apply some scripture. Yes, that sounds awesome. And you get out of here, and then I've got three blonde girls running around going crazy on their third lollipop. And then we're trying to figure out if we're going to eat Mexican or go home and take naps. And, and this awesome energy that I just got from God's word quickly slips out. And then we get back here next Sunday, and I sit in that chair, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to do that this week. That's the whole idea of this paper. If God's stirring something in your heart of an opportunity or a place where, where you see, you know the Holy Spirit's been scratching at you to do something, to speak up, this is, this is what, I, what we're trying to encourage here. So if you think you want to do that, bring up Jesus within my circle this week. Sign that. Have somebody initial it. One below it is maybe you have a specific person in mind You've been meaning to invite to church. You've been trying to figure it out. Um, you know, I can think of a few neighbors popping up in my head as I'm looking at this. Who, who can you invite to church? Simple. Put that person's name. If that person's sitting next to you because you know they need to come back next week, write a code word, you know, Bubba or Susie. But then you'll get the elbow. Who's Susie? Don't do that. Uh, so if you got somebody... 
that you've just been meaning to invite to church. Write, write their name there. Sign it. Have your accountability person sign it. Read the Bible for 30 minutes a day between today and next Sunday. Can you put 30 minutes of time a day in, in Scripture? Like, man, I just need to, I need to go deep. I can't go wide and go evangelize until I go deep. Uh, so I just want to, I feel the Lord is telling me, get in the Word every day this week. Sign that one. Memorize a Bible verse and share it with the family. I can only imagine your, your dinner table concepts, but if, if you showed up, you know, I'm always husband perspective here, but if I showed up at the dinner table and just laid down this verse that I memorized this week and, and taught it to my girls and taught it to Emily, like, where did that come from? You know, usually dinner table is like, stop spilling your chicken on the floor and stop whining and let's pray real quick and we got homework to do. But if we, if you feel like that's something that's good for you to do this week, memorize a verse and share it. Share it with family, share it with somebody. Maybe you memorize it and you put it on Facebook and it's your new status update. Whatever you got to do, if that's what you feel like God's calling you to do, do it. And then the last one, talk to a stranger and share what Jesus Christ has done. Just cold call it. It's a good time. This is an adrenaline rush. You want the feeling what it's like to jump out of an airplane? Go find somebody just jogging in the park and grab them and share the gospel with them. It's fun. It seems crazy, but it's a good time and a good adrenaline rush. So if, if you want to take part in that, sign and date and initial. And my hope is that we'll come back next week. I'd love to hear what happens. What happens with that? You know, maybe you uh, said you wanted to invite somebody to church this week and they, they said no. All right. But we took action. We, we made note. Uh, we went for it. So I just challenge you guys as a church. I am I'm a member. I'm, I'm sitting down here most of the time. I'm honored to be able to speak today and uh, bring God's word. But I just, I love this community, and Scott keeps talking about it, that this year is just about community. And it's, it's what God has put on his heart to lead the church, that we just spend quality time together. And I would just love to hear about uh, how this goes, how this contract goes. It's not binding until, until it's notarized, so make sure you do that on your way out. But it's binding on your heart. God's pushing you towards it. I just encourage you to do it. We were going to end in worship, but I went really long. So we're not going to end in that last song. Matt, you're off the hook. We're good. Or I'll just solo it on the cajon over here. Um, But I'm just excited for you guys. I'm excited for this church. Um, And just let's be risk takers. Let's take the risk. Let's share the gospel. Let's read the Bible 30 minutes a day. That's a risk. We might have to take out Wheel of Fortune or something one night and sub that in for Bible time. Crazy idea, I know, I'm sorry. Stepping on toes. Not the wheel. But let's uh, close out in prayer. And then prayer teams, if you want to come up. And guys, let me just encourage you. Talk, talk to somebody um, with whatever God's stirring in your heart. Don't, don't sign that paper, put it in your back pocket, and go eat lunch without sharing with your spouse or your, your kids or whoever. Um, and, and really take action. That's what Jesus just time and time again as he spoke and in scripture is, is to take action. 
You know, like the man who built his house upon a rock is the man who took what Jesus said and put it into action. And so that's what we want to do when we leave here. And we can, we can spread the good news. So feel free to come up somebody if, if you want to talk about, even if it's dealing with forgiveness, you just need prayer about, I have been carrying unforgiveness for years and I need to get it off my back. Come pray with somebody. Um, or if you made a decision today, if you need to take the risk for the first time and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, if today's the day where you're like, yes, I do want to take that risk, I want to be Christ-like, I want to follow his teaching and share it with the world, uh, come, come pray with me, come pray with the prayer team, because that's what this is all about. So let's close out. Dear God, we just praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you for your invitation to the winning team. And that even in this temporary, if a society or an individual disowns us because we're standing up for your truth, God, that we are doing heel clickers in heaven, God, that you are jumping for joy, that we are being bold in the truth that you have given this world. So God, I pray you give us the boldness to go, to speak, uh, to dig in the word, to learn about your love and your plan more. And uh, Lord, that we would reach out to the people in our circles, at work, at home, in our neighborhoods. Lord, you have commanded us to do that. And we thank you for the invitation that we get to be a part of what you're doing. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.